is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself with Martinez, five. He is going to be in touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out, tying the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour, giving you an inside look at everything going on at Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now, shoots the three. Got it! Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. We are here post-spring. It's uh, the end of the spring football season, and now we count down to fall camp. Hopefully we have some good baseball to get us through a majority of this period. Otherwise, we will just uh, we'll just keep on plugging along with uh, position previews and schedule scheduling looks. We've got a schedule change to talk about today that some people feel like was worth discussing for more than about a minute. I don't. I don't think so. Uh, we could. So, I mean, yeah, we we'll we can that. talk more than a minute on the pros and cons of when the game is. But to me, that, that's, that's the only reason that they did it. Yeah, the the opponent change, and we're we're talking about Fordham being added to the schedule in September and dropping the southeast uh, southeastern Louisiana game from November. The only reason to really talk about it for more than a minute is what you're able to do with that home game in September versus that home game in November, and why having that bye in November is more beneficial as you go into your last couple of games. Um, but yeah, you've got that. The rest of this month of May, we still have. A few weeks left in the baseball season. There's a weird weekend right now with it going Saturday and then a Sunday doubleheader and then a Monday morning game. Um, which, by the way, programming note on Monday, we're going to take LNK today with Jack and friends up to 9:30, so you get an extra 30 minutes of uh, Jack and myself uh, ahead of that 9:30 in the morning pregame for a uh, a game on the East Coast. Which, I mean, that that means you've got what? It's a it's an 11 a.m. Start on the East Coast. Yeah, <laughs> Nebraska can't escape the 11 a.m. starts. Ah, that's ah, there. We go. Yes, there we go. Very sharp this morning. Uh, trying to be. Um, had, had a beverage. Okay, that's good. So yeah, we'll hit. We'll hit a little bit of the baseball. They're on a slide. They need to pick it up. Uh, they they start today. Uh, and the big reason for that is because next week regionals come out. Right. Yeah, you're going to see what sites there are, and, and they're going to be predetermined. It's not going to be based on how things finish. Those well, sites are in, announced. In, in, a, in a way, they will be. Meaning because what? they're going to announce 20 sites. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they're going I've to announce that. 20 sites. So all you got to do is, is be in those 20 mm-hmm. and play your way into the 16. And you can be in the top 16, and someone can pass you, or you can play your way out of it. Right. So they will announce the 20 sites... The finalists. Yeah, basically the finalists, and then there's going to be a first four out type of thing when they announce the tournament. Um, so, yes, you can you can p- still play your way into that top 16 if you're not there after this weekend, but you have to be in the top 20. And after last weekend, D1 Baseball um, actually dropped their projections for Nebraska all the way to a three seed. So that was a 17-spot uh, drop from the week before. Yeah. Which just seems insane. Yeah. Now, if I were to handicap where Nebraska is, not not one hundred percent based on their record, but also based on there were a lot of fans there last weekend. They mm-hmm. did get swept at home. We gotta remember Rutgers just beat Michigan in a series the week before at Michigan. 
So, like, this is a really hot Rutgers team. At the same time, Nebraska started to play not very well. It's, those two things converged at the same time. If you are in Nebraska this weekend, you got to get two. Mm-hmm. I think you got to get two because going into this weekend, I have Nebraska somewhere in that 22 to 26 range if they were handicapping where regionals would be because you want to spread some things out. Now, if Nebraska wins two, I think they move up in kind of the 18, 19. They're not the last one in, but they're not into that top 16 yet. So they got to win a couple of games this weekend. Right, and and you'll have a chance against Rutgers. Two against the Rutgers. Scarlet Knights, and now your first place Indiana Hoosiers as well. Yeah. And th- and you, you this isn't the only time you get Indiana either. You still have a three-game set with them um, to come. The thing that is funny to me is... Like, okay, you're going to drop Nebraska that much. Is it just because they got swept regardless of the opponent? Or do they just think that Rutgers isn't very good and and that's part of why they got dropped down? Because you can't have it both ways. You can't say on one side, well, we don't know how good the Big Ten is, so we we don't think that that Nebraska and Michigan and Indiana should be ranked very highly because they didn't play any non-conference games. Right. But then how can you also judge whether or not Rutgers is actually a bad team simply based on their record within the Big Ten? Because you don't know because the Big Ten didn't play anybody out of conference. Like, the fact that they didn't play out of conference is allowing the NCAA and all these other, you know, baseball media sites to Mm -hmm. basically choose your own adventure as to what you think the Big Ten baseball conference is this year. And it's... It's, when it's left up to interpretation like that, uh, I, I tend to think that a lot of the uh, a lot of the, the the grace is going to be given to the ACC and the SEC before they get anywhere near the Big Twelve or the Big Ten. Right now, Rutgers was just a game over five hundred when they came to town, yep. so they they weren't great. They were playing well. They were playing well when they got here. And that was a that was a big reason. So I think part of that drop is that Rutgers is still in the middle of the pack. They they swept a team um, at their place. That's the other part of it is Nebraska was at home. Mm-hmm. You didn't go get swept on the road. You got swept at home with five thousand plus every day, which and is supposed you lost a weekend series all year. Yeah, which is supposed to play swept. a factor into it. So you you yeah. got swept by a middling team in the Big Ten, which already has its own reputation issue because you're not playing non conference. So I think there, there's a lot of factors that go in, and Nebraska didn't look good doing it either. Like if you if you get swept at home and you lose one nothing three two seven six, it's like okay, well there was some great pitching that went on this weekend, timely hits. Uh, you maybe just had an error and you you lost it late. No, Nebraska had the bullpen blow up twice, mm-hmm. and then as Coach Will Bolt said, the team just didn't show up on Sunday. There's there's a lot that goes into it. I didn't think it was a 17 spot slide like D1 baseball did, but man, it was it was at least 12. Like 17's not out of the realm of possibilities, but I mean, you you were getting to the bottom, very bottom portion of where those two seed projections are, yep. and, and definitely playing yourself out of the conversation to host a regional. Now, the big thing about the regionals this year, we should also mention, just because you are hosting a regional does not necessarily mean you are the one seed in that regional. Right. You could be the two or even the three seed. Because, picture this for me real quick, Cole. You've got 20 are going to be announced, and let's say that somewhere in that, that range of that 14 to 20, those would all be teams typically on like the two line. And they all play terrible down the stretch. Well, you still got to pick 
you're 14, 15, and 16 out of those final seven, they may end up being like a three seed. Yeah. Like a three seed very well could host a regional this year because of that predetermination, even though you're only going to have a few weeks left in the season. Right. Now for Nebraska, you've got to, you have to be in that 20 because you have opportunities in front of you down the stretch. You win at least split this weekend, which by the way, Indiana beat Rutgers yesterday. You split this weekend where you've got two against Indiana, two against Rutgers. Hopefully you get a Northwestern series. They haven't played. They're not playing this weekend and they didn't play last weekend. Yikes. So hopefully you get that Northwestern series because there's three really good possibilities for wins. But then you've got the pod in Indiana where you've got the Hoosiers, two against them, and then two against Ohio State, and then your final weekend with three at home against Michigan. There aren't a lot of opportunities left, but they're quality opportunities. Yes. You've got to be in that top 20 after this weekend. Yeah. And quite frankly, you can't get swept by either team. You've got you to split with both of them at the very least. At the very least. You might need to win three out of four to get back right. in their good graces. Greg Sharp brought up a really good point on Thursday when he was talking with Jack Mitchell on LNK Today. Because of the way it's that staggered schedule with these pods, Indiana and Rutgers just played yesterday. Mm-hmm. Indiana Rutgers will play their second game this morning. Then Nebraska will play Indiana as a second part of their doubleheader. Ruggers just has this really spread out one one they're game not, a day. They're not leaving anywhere. Right. They're, they're at home. So so it, it makes it a really weird schedule for everybody. But for Nebraska, you get to throw Povich, your top guy, against what would be seemingly Indiana's third guy, their, their Sunday starter in, yeah. in a normal normal rotation. You get to take Rutgers on. On uh, when you get to your third game, it will be their third game as well. Yeah, and you'll be coming off of uh, a game in the morning uh, against Indiana. So how does all of that play out? And then you've got a Monday morning game before you fly back. At least this has been this was finals week, so guys don't have to worry about that next week. Yeah, but the pods this year make it very curious how you use your bullpen, how you use your starters and where they all line up. So Nebraska has a really good chance today to take one from Indiana, regardless of how tomorrow morning goes. Right. And you got to do that. Yeah. I, th- I think today is the most important game of this entire weekend. Is If you win today, you feel much better about everything. If you lose today, now you're on a, what, a four-game slide? Mm-hmm. And what very likely should have been five or six because of the way you played the weekend before? Well, and you've lost four out of five if you go back to that Saturday Michigan State game. Yeah, so th- things have not looked good. You win today, you feel a lot better about the other three games, and you hope you can get two two more. And the the Husker release for the the baseball team here usually lists your three weekend starters, <laughs> and this one it's a little coy because you've got Cade Povich in that first slot, mm-hmm. but then TBA, TBA, TBA in the next three. So, so that's obviously what, you're going to have a fourth, and then maybe they don't know who that is. Right. You also don't know where you're going to put Shea Shanneman, mm-hmm. where you're going to put Chance Roche. So there, there's there's a little bit of you know figuring it out on the fly this weekend for Will Bolt. And as actually, well. and Will Bolt said that this week. He said, "All right, we, we th- we're pretty sure we're going to throw out Cade." In that first game. Yep. And then because it's a four-game series, and Nebraska hasn't done that for several weeks, um, it's because you pretty much did that early in the year and you were figuring out a bunch of guys. But Not now, since the last weekend of March. Yeah, so now you pretty much have your determined rotation. Hmm. Well, now you're adding a game into the weekend, and it's staggered, and you're doing the pod system again. So as Coach Will Bolt said, 
They're going to throw out Cade and then just kind of figure out everything else the rest of the weekend and mix and match some guys with the bullpen. And yeah. um, and that that's why that's the other reason that today is so important. You, you, you get to throw out Povich. Go win when Povich is on the hill and then figure everything else out. Yeah, that's how it's, you have to start strong. And you say this is the most important game of the series. I don't disagree with you. It might be the most important game of the season, Caleb. To this point, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, I, I, I'm not going to just say that just to be dramatic here on the KLI and Husker Hour on Saturday morning. Shock Jock Radio! The day, bef- the day of that <laughs> game happening. It's later on. It's so important. Listen to it this afternoon at 1.30 pregame, 2 o'clock first pitch. Right here on KLIN. <laughs> no, but seriously, like the you find out so much more about your team, in, in baseball especially, because baseball, more than anything, is a game of how you manage failure. Yeah. Because 3 out of 10... Is Hall of Fame. Right. Right? That's the old adage. So, Nebraska has not really had a lot of adversity yet this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really only can, can look to that second weekend to where Nebraska's had a split before last weekend when they got swept. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that split, they won Ohio State Friday, they beat, they beat Iowa Saturday, and then they had the doubleheader with Ohio State where and then Iowa both. Sunday, and they lost both. And then they lost the the Friday game against Iowa, and then came back and went won games two and three and won that series, and they've been they've been rolling since. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's really the adversity that this team has seen. Uh, otherwise, it's just been a couple of losses on Saturdays. Uh, you, you had a four game sweep of Minnesota. You swept Penn State, and then you lost one to Illinois and Michigan State. That's it. So so in Maryland. So the way that this game goes today could very well determine just mentally how these guys are are dealing with last weekend uh, because you still have Rutgers ahead of you and I'm sure revenge is on a lot of those guys' mind but you got to start off with the Hoosiers and these guys are now in the catbird seat in the Big Ten standings and they are feeling pretty confident so you, I think that you had to turn it around pretty quick here on a on a Saturday. So that's a big thing with today because Indiana's going to go this morning, mm-hmm. and I haven't looked at what time uh, Michigan plays right now. Uh, Michigan is is up a couple games on Nebraska. If Indiana were to fall to Rutgers this morning and Nebraska beat Indiana this afternoon, Nebraska and Indiana would then be tied. Like mm-hmm. that's how tight everything is at the top of this right now. Yeah. It's pretty much those th- those three teams, then Iowa just behind, and then you get into a, a stretch of a whole bunch of teams. But when you're looking at the standings, we had said early on, if if Nebraska, is, even if you don't win the league, if you want to get an at-large, what you have to do is be part of that pack at the top of the conference that separates itself. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen is Indiana, Michigan, Nebraska separate itself. Iowa being just kind of that fourth team with the possibility to play themselves up. But that when we're talking about these regionals, we're not just talking about the ability to host. It feels better when you're at home and you can get Nebraska fans there. It is a big deal just to get into that postseason and figure it out from there because this is going to be a wild postseason again. Yeah, you would think so, uh, especially with a little bit of uncertainty out there uh, and especially with you know having some of these these regional sites predetermined. That's, that's going to be another thing to, to watch is... You're gonna find out where people are playing and and what the what the NCAA yeah. uh, is thinking of these teams. You want to host, 
But the most important part is getting to the postseason. Just make it in there at the very least. Make it in there. You give yourself a shot. Whatever happens this weekend and this next week that's announced, don't be disappointed. There's still a lot to play for. Absolutely. But you got a lot to play for this weekend yep. based on what's happening next week. 100%. All right. A lot more baseball talk than I thought we'd get to that first segment because we just came off the spring game, and there is a lot to talk about there, too. We're going to be joined by Parker Gabriel from the Lincoln Journal Star. Right after this, we're going to dig into the spring game uh, and our thoughts going into the summer right here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. K-Lion Husker Hour here on your Saturday morning. Baseball on the way later today and all weekend long. But right now we're going to dig into a lot of football conversation because everybody got to see the spring game by now. If you were there, it was a beautiful day for football. It was a beautiful day for getting back to Memorial Stadium. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully a lot more folks are able to do that in the fall. Uh, And it was also a beautiful day just to observe this program in 2021 and try to get a sense of where things are at heading into the fourth season of Scott Frost tenure. And here to help us do that is Parker Gabriel from the Lincoln Journal Star. Good morning, Parker. How are you? Hey, thanks a lot for joining us. We, we want to start with the offense. And I, I think, look, the offensive line, I think, is going to get a lot of discussion because I think people are pretty comfortable there. But I want to start at quarterback and and a lot of folks are just kind of saying, hey, Adrian Martinez looks a little leaner, looks a little quicker. I, I feel like he's going to have to to not shoulder as much of the load this year if he wants to be more successful than last year. I think a lot more was put on him last season than 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 he was able to handle. And I feel like if he gets more support from that running back room, the wide receivers, the tight ends that he might be able to cut out more turnovers, maybe stay more healthy overall. What are you, what are your thoughts on that and and then what you saw from Adrian on Saturday as well? Yeah, I think, you know, like everyone, I, I thought or most people that have watched him this spring, I thought he looked good. Um, you know, obviously the biggest thing with Adrian, uh, especially, you know, last year he's even maybe trimmed up and he said he feels faster right now than he did during the 2020 season, but he ran the ball really effectively last year. And he was fast in, in 2020. Um, just he turned the ball over too much. And so if he gets that straightened out one way or the other, it does the rest of it will take care of itself. If he, if he protects the football, um, he's going to have a pretty good year. If you take turnovers out of the equation last year, he had a pretty good year. So, but you can't do that. Like he, he turned the ball over too much that that counts. So that's the first part of it. And then, you know, to me, the second part of it is, if they can throw the ball down the field a little bit, it does they don't have to be 2019 LSU, but if they can throw the ball down the field a little bit, it's going to make a world of difference. I mean, defenses squatted on the 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage last year, and that made it hard to run the ball. It made it hard for Adrian to run the ball, and it made it, you know, that, that closes windows even in the underneath passing game. Like the, the reason I, fans, I know there's some fans, there's a vocal segment of the fan base that hates this swing pass, but the swing pass like works if the defense also has to defend the rest of the field. That, that's why you do it. You want to stress a defense vertically and horizontally. But if you can only 
stretch of defense horizontally, it's really easy to cover. So that to me, like it's, it's a couple of things. It's Adrian taking care of the football and then it's having the ability to access some areas of the field that they just really couldn't get to regularly last year. And if you get a good solid step forward in each of those departments, um, you, you know, you can make a big stride, I guess, on offense. Parker, we've had, we've had a week to look back at this spring game. And one, it was really awesome for fans to be there. But two, yeah. I mean, for you as you were watching the game, and, and Cole and I have talked a lot about this, how much do you even – take from the spring game the quarterbacks are in green jerseys so martinez he can run as fast as he wants because no one's going to hit him there's no one head hunting when he's 10 yards downfield it's just touch and then the first half was just the thud tackling and even in the second half you didn't have a bunch of horses out there it was a lot of young guys figuring stuff out how much do you personally as you watch that game and look back on it take stock from anything that happened over those couple of hours yeah that's a good question um I think there's a bunch you can take from it, but not all of it has to do with like the 2021 Nebraska football team. And are they going to win six games or are they going to win seven games or do they have division title chops? It's not, it's not so much about that. Like to me, it's about like, I never have seen, I've never really seen Nash Hutmacher and Marquise Black get a bunch of reps. It's the first time you see Raquan Buckley up front is interesting to watch Teddy Prochaska and Henry Latovsky play on the, on the left side of the offensive line together as a couple of, you know, freshmen that just got here in January. So like, it's sort of like, um, it's sort of like, it's sort of like scouting a minor league baseball game, you know, and, and you can, it's like, it, it matters, um, but it might not matter like right at the moment. And, and that's no knock against the young guys. There's just a lot of them in the program. And there's some guys who might have a role on, on a veteran defense this year, or they might, um, you know, be play pretty sparingly and then be counted on a lot in 2022. So I think a lot of it is that, but there's some positions where like you can still get something out of it. It was interesting to watch the young quarterbacks try to handle uh, the wind um, in addition to the offense. It was interesting to watch the running backs. I mean, that's the first time we've seen, I mean, really any of the running backs except for Ronald Tompkins and, and Marvin Scott, uh, in a full contact situation in the second half. So just to get a sort of first impression of Gabe Irvin, of Savion Morrison, Jacques Yant, um, that, that matters. Uh, it's one really small sliver of the spring, but um, at least you sort of get a, a first impression uh, of those kind of guys too. So most of the takeaways I have are second half related more than first half related, but um yeah, you can still get quite a bit, I think, out of out of watching it. You just have to know that it's like what you're looking at isn't it, it, it matters, but it, it doesn't matter for like, hey, is this guy going to play a lot against Illinois necessarily? <laughs> Parker Gabriel from Lincoln Journal Star joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour talking spring football game 2021. One part of the game in the first half that I think was valuable was the line play because those guys are, you know, it's not a no-tackle situation for them, right? They're still hitting. Uh, The offensive line, I think think the team feels pretty comfortable with four of those spots, three guys who've got starting experience for a whole season, plus Turner Corcoran is pretty much the guy there at left tackle. And then it looks like maybe a two-man race there at right guard with Matt Sichterman or Brant Banks and Banks looks to be able to to swing out to tackle, and there's other guys who can figure into the mix there, certainly, but 
going into fall, do you think the offensive line is is at a place where Scott Frost feels pretty good about what he has in in terms of leading that offense up front? Yeah, um, and and he said as much, and he, you know, he and Greg Austin have both said it that that group took a, a good step forward this spring, um, and they need to. You know, it was a it's a group that has promise um, and potential, and and quite a bit of athleticism, especially with. Uh, Jurgens and Piper and, and Corcoran are all really good athletes. Uh, Bryce Bennett obviously is a good athlete for his size at six nine and three twenty or whatever he is. So, um, but it's one that has to produce on the field, you know. And that's the they got what they wanted out of playing um, those young guys, Piper and Bennett in particular um, last year. They got a ton of reps, and now they're experienced Big Ten football players. So um, you've got to produce, you know. You've got a lot of uh, you, it's a it's a good combination of youth, and then those young guys have also most of them played some too. So, um, yeah, I agree with your assessment there. It looks like six guys for for five spots with Banks and Sichterman um, fighting for the right guard job, and then there's a couple guys that we know are sort of right in the in the mix to be next in line. Uh, Nori Nuelli had a good spring and looks like the number two left tackle. Although you, you never know. I mean, Banks Banks could theoretically be the, you know, if, if Banks and Sichterman are the fifth and sixth best linemen, say, in the group, um, it, it could be that Banks is the backup at both tackle spots and and at right guard or that he starts at right guard. But if someone got hurt, he'd slide to tackle and you move Sichterman. And there's all kinds of ways to move that puzzle around. But uh, Nori Noelli, um, Trent Hickson is going to be the number two center and a key reserve inside. So they've got a nice mix and they've got some depth. Um, but you know, like they were, there were times last year where they showed signs of being a good offensive line. And there were times last year where they looked like an offensive line that was still trying to find its footing and the freshmen look like freshmen sometimes. So that, that's, um, the key for them is really just consistency. Um, and then, you know, really sort of taking a step toward forging the identity of what they want to be, which is not only an athletic group, but a big rugged, you know, group that has the ability to, to run the ball right at you. Parker, there were a number of injuries this spring, and I know a lot of people were disappointed once you got to the spring game. You didn't get to see Thomas Fedoni, uh, Ramir Johnson, Marquis Stepp was out um, for the entirety of the spring with that that foot. And then the big one right uh, the week of, so about uh, 10 days ago, Will Honus, who it sounds like things aren't looking exactly uh, in his favor going into this fall. What injury from this spring has the biggest impact on this team going into the summer and, and then and then obviously into the fall? Yeah, I think so. Probably the Honus injury. I mean, Fedoni, you know, by all accounts, was really sort of coming on strong in the middle of spring ball there where he hurt his knee, and that's a tough break for him. You know, they've got some veterans in that room um, in Austin Allen and Travis Vokalek who are going to play a lot even before Fedoni got hurt, and so – you feel pretty good about your starting line experience there. Um, I, I, I've always been intrigued by Chris Hickman's uh, skill set, and they haven't really found a way to get him f- involved beyond just sort of being a package player. I'll be interested to see how much run he gets um, sort of behind Austin Allen and Travis Wilk. Like Obviously, those guys are going to play a lot. The Honus thing, what's interesting about that, and it's really, I mean, it just, you feel so bad for a kid like that. I mean, he comes back for a sixth, college season could have left anyways after his fifth year. Um, and he is dealing with a nagging injury during all of spring. So they're careful with them. And he comes back to do some drill work on the last practice before the spring game. 
and blows out his knee. I mean, it's just brutal um, for, for that to happen for, for Will. Um, the three get, they like the three guys like on, on paper, that top three um, Reimer, Kolarovic and Henrich, that's a good group and an athletic group and one that you can get away with playing those three um, through a whole big 10 season. The issue is all three of those guys have had injury issues through their college careers in their own right. So if those three stay healthy, you're in great shape still at inside linebacker. And they've got some depth there. But I just – just the way college football is, the way the linebacker position is, I mean, I think they'll pro- they're will going to have to go beyond three at some point in the season. So it's just a question of, you know, how close is Garrett Snodgrass to really being – putting himself in position to be on par with that top three? How close are Jackson Hanna and Va Malga Clements – you know, to being able to be guys that you can trust to be on the field for a series here and there. So to me, Honus feels like the bigger deal um, in terms of the season, but like in the shorter term, the, the marquee step injury, which we've known about since the beginning of spring really cast doubt on what that running back room is going to look like through the summer. So like, that's the one marquee step has sort of like the, maybe the biggest domino effect on like, who's in the mix, who gets reps, so on and so forth. If he's back and healthy by August, okay, no problem. He might have a learning curve, but you're in okay shape. The biggest impact like season-wise right now, at least the way I would see it, would be Will Hollis. So now that spring's over and you've got that one-time transfer rule, as long as they let teams know by, what is it, July 1? Um, yep. Does this, does this staff throw a scholarship? Add a linebacker who might be on the move or another upperclassman running back? What what do you see with those last couple openings? I don't think you can rule it out entirely. It's going to be super interesting because with Scott Frost essentially saying that they're not going to take a quarterback, um, basically you can go best position available, right? And so there's there's probably some spots that they would like to get somebody. Um, I don't know, you know, from the horse's mouth exactly what those are. To me, like I think corner is in a similar position as outside linebacker where you like the top line, like Cam Taylor Britt obviously might be the best player on the roster. Um, and they really trust Quentin Newsom and they like him. But beyond that, you know, you got, okay, so Braxton Clark, there's a nice top three. And then what do you have in the spring game? It was Phelan Sanford, who's a walk on, um, who was in the top group. If, um, Marquise Buford and Nadab Joseph and Tame and Lynam are all like healthy. Um, you probably feel good about the depth there, but none of them were in the spring. So where are you at? You know, so corner or a defensive back as good as the top line is seems like a possibility to me. Um, I don't think you can totally rule out linebacker or running back, especially if, um, if, you know, those injury, like Will Honus, unfortunately, we know that's going to go into the season, if not the entire season. Uh, with Marquis Step, if there's any doubt about it being beyond the summer, that's a possibility. And otherwise, like, you just can never, no team in the country is ever going to turn down a guy they think can make a difference rushing the passer. So somewhere on the on the front seven, I would think would be one area you would try to get somebody. Now, that also means that if there's a guy who can really rush the passer, he's going to get recruited by everybody. In so, um, but if you can find one, that would be, that would probably be ideal. Uh, and then you just find, 
the the guy that you think can make the most difference in 2021 to take the other spot. You were speaking directly to Cole with pass rusher there. Give me an edge. Yeah. <laughs> Give me an edge. My kingdom yeah. for an edge. Uh, another couple minutes here with Parker Gabriel from Lincoln Journal Star. Uh, Parker, let's finish up with defense. The the thing that Nebraska used to be known for and used to be really good at was getting old and staying old. You'd have guys that were in the program for three years before they'd start as a redshirt junior, and then they would have their shot. Now, that's not really the, the case in, in college football in general, especially at Nebraska, where, where guys are, are tending to transfer out and get an opportunity early. But in, on defense, you've got that situation now where you got seemingly everybody but DiCaprio Boodle came back for that sixth season, and you have a lot of guys who you would pro, you'd feel pretty comfortable with starting, but they're still going to be kind of in a role player backup uh, starter in case of injury, uh, injury role. How important is it that you keep everybody there without transferring out this season so that you can take advantage of being old next season as well? Yeah, I think it's probably one of the silver linings, one of the only silver linings maybe of the way the last year went football-wise is just is just that, that the, with those seniors coming back, like if you play it out in your mind about like what would have happened without the crazy 2020 season and the ability to come back, this would have been a year of, of pretty substantial transition on defense. They might still have been a, a decent unit or a good unit, but you would have, you'd be talking about um, Noah Pola Gates and Miles Farmer as your starters at safety, or maybe you would have found a veteran on the transfer market or something like that, but that, there would have been an overhaul there. And you would be talking about, you know, the, the sort of, you had two young inside linebackers with, um, you know, maybe they get Klarvich anyways, that'd be a one-year deal. So anyway, like it, it would just look a lot different. And so I think if there's a silver lining of the way the, the 2020 season went down and all that. It's it's that it seems as though Nebraska is poised to better bridge the gap from being old to staying old um, with this group that's come back. That you know sometimes it plays out that way, sometimes it doesn't. We've already seen one of those guys go down with Will Honus and and all, and that, that's unfortunate, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think this is an opportunity for them to really get to a point where you know that there's going to be a big group that leaves now after this year all of those seniors and then maybe a couple of Cam Taylor Britt probably and, and, or he said as much, and then maybe who knows who else, but it's a chance to really, it's like you're super old for one year. And then even though they won't be as old in 2022, that probably will still have a lot of guys who have played a lot of ball. And from there on, you're far enough into the, you know, the building process where, you know, maybe for the most part, you can stay that way. Can't wait to tell all these guys once we get to fall camp that they're super old. Yeah, uh, you are super Ben Stilly, you are super old. You are you are old with a cape. Um Parker Stilly's going to have like a PhD by the time he's out of here, which is awesome for him. This is going to be a a fun exercise someday of like who's been around the longest Mojo Haggy or Ben Stilly, like all of these guys <laughs> in football, just because of the way all the scholarship and eligibility stuff's going to work out. Uh, but part, I got I got to ask this just because it came up on Sports Nightly this week and caller John asked coach Frost <laughs> about penalties. Parker, have you or any of your colleagues ever asked about penalties or ever written about penalties? Have they ever come up in post games that we've been part of? They have. I've asked about penalties before. John, I mean, John, talk to me, man. Yeah, Parker, why aren't, you, why aren't you asking about penalties, Parker? Come on. Yeah, we've asked. I mean, it, does, it doesn't come up as often, but I, there's been, I asked Frost um, last year at some point, 
and he was like, he had a con- he had this comment about how he doesn't like he's like I his line was like I don't I don't feel like we were highly penalized at UCF like I don't it doesn't seem like this has been a thing in this offense but I don't have the data right in front of me but I think if you go back and look like the they were um, you know not it wasn't like outsized or anything but they were heavily penalized at UCF it's just that when you and he told John this which is very nice of him when you play fast and you play aggressive, sometimes you will make penalties out of aggression and they're fine with that. You know, like if you end up with six or seven penalties and it's because you're running plays off fast and you're up and down the field and and playing hard, that's okay. They'll live with that and you can make up for that, but you can't have drive stalling penalties at the beginning of drives. So I'll have to, I'm going to ask about penalties every day now. That's between you and I I was already talking with, uh, I think, uh, Derek Peterson. We're all only asking about penalties going forward. We need to reference Caller John when we do it, though. Like, that's Uh, see, John, see, John must have missed the whole kerfuffle last year where Frost said they were going to start making players run for penalties in practice. We talked about that last year. Like, we're changing it up. I've never been this way, but we're going to make guys run and they commit penalties in practice. And all of the um, coaches out there in the world were like, they weren't doing that already. <laughs> oh, they weren't doing that already. They weren't making guys run for penalties and practice already. That was a thing last year, like midway through the season. So uh, subscribe yeah. to the Journal Star. You won't, miss, you won't miss all the commentary about penalties. There well, you go. Well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> I'll, I'll pass that along to your superiors. That's Parker Gabriel from the Lincoln Journal Star uh, dropping some knowledge here from spring game 2021. Parker, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. Yep. Have a good weekend, guys. Uh, good stuff. Caller John just calling out the media. No way. We, they, you guys who do it every day. I, I just kind of parachute in here once in a while. You guys do a great job with just not, not hammering on the penalties because obviously Scott Frost can only talk about so much, but John, it's happening. No, John knows we have an agenda to be eternally optimistic and sell subscriptions and just ship out Kool-Aid by the gallon. Yeah, bottles and bottles. Get it out there. <laughs> All right, uh, we're gonna give the uh, a few a few guys that we saw in the spring when we come back. Uh, maybe some guys you expect to talk about. Maybe some guys who you don't. And you know, can those guys make an impact in the fall? That's that's what's coming up. Uh, we've also got a Nebraska ball commit and signee. Somebody else joining this uh, top fifteen class of Fred Hoiberg's. We'll tell you about who that is. You're going to have to relearn a lot of the roster, guys. <laughs> all, well, not not as much as last year or the year before, but in different a reasonings, decent amount. But a decent yeah. amount, yeah. <laughs> and then some Huskers went in the draft. Some Huskers got uh, spots in, in free agency. We'll tell you where they went if you didn't catch all of that. And, uh, yeah, all that and more coming up here. K-Line Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour. If you missed Parker Gabriel last segment, where were you? But also, it's okay. You can catch up on the KLIN Husker Hour Facebook page at KLIN Huskers. You can check out the podcast in, in radio form at the KLIN podcast page as well. And follow us on Twitter. We're also there, at KLIN Huskers. So, Caleb, some of the guys that popped in the spring game were names that you were maybe already paying attention to, names that were already on your radar. 
guys who were just waiting for their shot and finally got it and, mm-hmm. and made it made it happen a little bit for them. And then some guys kind of came out of nowhere and made some plays. Uh, I want to start with uh, somebody that you saw that you think is going to make a big-time impact in the fall and, and what they did on the on the field there that last Saturday. Well, I mean, we were kind of talking about him a little bit, but it becomes that part of there's so much attrition in the room, <laughs> uh, guys guys being hurt, it's who's going to take over, and I know that they're, the coaching staff's probably not 100% sure yet either, but Jacquez Yant. Like, like, like he, he's the walk on who suddenly started getting a whole bunch of momentum out of all of us talking about him on all of the, uh, on all of social media, on the forums. This, this little walk on who's, who's just kind of, he's not little. Yeah. This, <laughs> yeah. This little walk on by age, but man, he is a truck. And as, as Ryan Held said, he's a problem. Yeah. Like he is a problem for people. Um, but just seeing him actually, run and the the first half when you're watching stuff it's like okay they got touched and they're down but to watch a guy break tackles no matter who the opponent is and that that's the hard part about last week is even in the second half it's a lot of young guys you're not he wasn't running against the number 1 defense like he he wasn't running out there and get, getting to the edge and Cam Taylor Britt's there to deliver a blow yeah. like that's not a thing that happened but he's still breaking tackles and and he became the, the featured back on, on an early drive and looked really good, scored a touchdown. But then as you watched him as the second half went on, there were times you could tell he is tired. And you would see other guys, and this this is no knock on anyone who's being who's tired and you know what your limit is, and you're like, hey, get someone fresh in here. There's nothing wrong with knowing where you're at that someone else who might not be as good coming in fresh is going to be better for at least a play or two. But man, Yant is sprinting right back to that huddle he wants in the backfield. He was not going to miss a single opportunity last Saturday because the, these guys are all playing for a job. Mm-hmm. It's presumed that Marquise Step is going to be the guy when we get to the fall if he's healthy because he's a little older, has some more experience, has actually really been on a field more than most of these guys, has legitimate carries at, at a Power 5 program in games. But man, Yant looked like a dude that even if he's not the starter, he comes in for a series in the second quarter. Just a series. It kind of just spells step a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then you get him in late in the third quarter, you get him in the fourth quarter when the defense is run down a little bit and he's fresh. He looks like a guy that can carve out a niche and get touches this fall. He could wear a defense down. That's that's very certainly the case. Six two two twenty five, by the way, is what he's listed as um, on that spring game roster. Yeah, Jacques Yant. Yeah, he was definitely getting some run before uh, and and made it happen in the game. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna. It's not a cop out necessarily, but I'm gonna go with three guys, and it's the first three receivers. Yeah, you got Samari Toure mm-hmm. transferring in. Oliver Martin, who transferred last year from Iowa, and then Omar Manning, who's a junior college guy last year, didn't see the field a whole lot. If you just had those three guys, that room looks good, even. Oh, and, and, <laughs> and what I think you were looking for from the, off- from the offense is, at the receiver position, do you have three guys to start off and, 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 and be your horses and do well enough to make an impact throughout the season? And those three guys, this is they they had they had Adrian Martinez throwing him in the first half. I don't know that Toure and Manning played a whole lot in the second half. They I didn't. know Martin caught one pass in the second half. These were their numbers: four catches, forty-six yards for Martin; three catches, forty-seven yards for Toure; and then three catches, twenty-four yards for Omar Manning. That's in a half of play. 
that'll work. That's 11 receptions across the board for those three. And, you know, you're going to sprinkle in some with your back, some with your tight end, some with your other receivers throughout that half uh, as as well. There's only one other reception all first half for that red team. It was Travis Vokalek. But knowing that Martin has had a year and he emerged late mm-hmm. as one of your one of your starters, he started late in the season. Omar Manning, if I mean, everybody knows he's got the look. It's just, can he make it onto the field? Can he do the things that he needs to do? off the field to get right and make it on Saturdays. And Samari Toure has been everything that they've hoped for in that in that grad transfer from Montana. Been able to step in right away, pick up the offense, and and lead these guys, frankly, with uh, as much experience as he has. Mm-hmm. At a lower level, but still, football's football to a certain extent. So those three guys, you needed them to prove that, that they can be your top-line starters or not necessarily them, but you knew you needed somebody to do it. Somebody needed to step yeah. up and do it. And those three guys, I feel like, did that from everything that the coaches and players were talking about throughout the spring, and they showed up in that one half of play where you're basically playing seven-on-seven seven with two-hand touch. you you got to make the catches, and you got to make the throws, and Martinez did that with those three guys. Now, a, a guy that I don't think he's not going to start, but he can play himself into uh, reps situationally, or if a guy goes down, and that's Nash Hutmacher. Mm. Now he he got talked about whenever whenever people would ask some of his uh, some of his teammates about the size of guys and how lifting's going. They're like, man, Nash is big. Mm. He's, he's the polar bear for a reason. Like he's a big dude. But we saw him get into the backfield a number of times, not just in the second half when you were going against uh, presumed twos, maybe even threes. He was making an impact in that first half for the white team going against the red and the presumed ones. Mm-hmm. And you talked about the presumed ones with Parker Gabriel, but I think Nash fits what, what Parker was talking about on one of those guys that maybe it, it's not necessarily he's going to be a guy that you get to the fall and he's getting all of the first team reps or he's out there right away in a game. But he looked he looked the part and that, that's what we're talking about here. He looked the part of a Division One D lineman who's going to cause havoc in the backfield once he just gets a few more reps under his belt and he gets those opportunities. He might be, although we talk about him a lot, he might be one of the most underrated guys in that class mm-hmm. when all things are said and done with his time in Lincoln because of the impact he's going to have from the defensive line. I like where your head's at there in terms of looking at a, a defender from the white side because... So much of the defense, as as I touched on with Parker, is do we kind, we kind of know what we're got, getting on that red side? You've got experience everywhere. <laughs> you know everybody who's going to be starting pretty much. So the guys who are coming in to spell them, can you maintain that same level of play? Can you still make an impact mm-hmm. on a, a second down where? JoJo Doman's going off to get a blow, or or someone's helmet came off. Yeah, you, Ty, you, Ty Robinson has to go out of the game. Who's going to come? You know, the, all those all mm-hmm. those things. So. I liked seeing somebody at. I'm, I'm glad you brought up my my pet project of getting a pass rush <laughs> um, at the edge position and a guy who beat Turner Corcoran for yeah. a sack. Yeah, ter- it is Turner's roommate, by the way, Blaze Gunnerson. We we got to know who everyone's roommates are. That's important. I, he's not going to have one of the run the damn ball hats because he's not an offensive lineman, but maybe he would just to support his his roommate. Hey, well, but, he's he's going to get that hat and it's going to say run the damn ball and it's going to say at me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so so 
Turner Corker, he started one game. He's not an All-American by any means, but he's entrenched as a left tackle. He's going to be essentially a redshirt freshman. That's that's a not that's not nothing. So Turner Corcoran is pretty highly thought of as a recruit in this program, and Blaze Gunderson beat him on a sack. And if if you're looking at guys who are going to be you know your next wave on that outside linebacker spot when JoJo Doman's gone, when Caleb Tanner's gone, maybe Blaze Gunderson can be one of those guys. Uh, Isaac Gifford and Javin Wright have gotten some pretty good run as as maybe being that JoJo Doman type where mm-hmm. they can play a little DB in the nickel role. They can play a little pass rusher as well. But you got to have two of those guys. And so Blaze Gunderson, maybe he is the heir apparent uh, on, on the other end of that uh, equation. And And I like the fact that he got that sack and probably let him hear about it. And I, Turner Corcoran <laughs> was quoted later after the game as saying, yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna have to shut that down because I can't let that happen again, especially with my roommate. But that's a good competition to to know that you have guys that are roommates, an offensive lineman and a D lineman who wants to be that that rush the quarterback kind of guy. That's good to have there. That's a healthy rivalry on your own team that you can have guys go against each other. Just a couple of other names, um, really quickly. Obviously, Wyatt Lever who catches. Balls in the spring game for like the last 10 years. Spring game goat. Bro- Brody Belt, who just somehow he catches the ball and you're like, man, he's still on the team. <laughs> like He's been here forever, it seems. And then uh, a guy that you wrote about a little bit in our, our story, our recap of the KLIN, or at KLIN.com of the spring game, the walk-on linebacker, John Bullock from Creighton Prep. Yeah. Had a really nice uh, strip, sa- or had a really nice strip um, in the second half of Oliver Martin. Like, he... He looks like he's a pretty good guy to add some depth to the room who has some good football instincts. Yeah, yeah, you can't have enough of those guys who who have a shot to play in front of fans. And if their number's called on a Saturday in a big-time spot that, that they feel comfortable enough, hey, I've done this before, this is nothing new, mm-hmm. uh, they, 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 feel, they feel like they can go out and get it done still. All right, wrapping the show up right after this, we'll tell you what's coming up for baseball this weekend and where you can hear it right here on KLIN. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Wrapping things up here on your Saturday morning. We'll get you set for the baseball weekend. But first, Caleb, let's uh, let's talk about yet another addition <laughs> to Fred Hoiberg's top 15 class in this basketball program. A point guard, combo guard, somebody who can run the point for him is also joining the program. Yeah, tell me if you've heard this before. Uh, a guy with size, six foot four, who's a combo guard. Okay, there's a number of guys who can do that, handle the ball and, and, and play off the ball as well. Who can score at all three levels? I think we're we've got a type here for uh, for Coach Fred Hoiberg. That is, it, it's Karan McPherson, who uh, who was originally out of out of New York, and he played his his prep year this last year down in down in Missouri at Link Year School. Mm. Um, man, he he just he looks good from the tape that I've seen. I'm not sure where the where the spot is going to be for him to play this next year. Yeah. Um. Because man, there's there's a lot of talent, especially at those through those guard spots. But if you're playing as fast and scoring at the the pace that Coach Hoiberg wants, you're gonna get some more opportunities than what Elijah Wood got this last year. Yeah. Who ends up transferring out? And maybe the conversation with Karan was, 
hey, you might not play a whole lot this year. We're going to redshirt you. You're going to get a lot of opportunity. There's going to be a lot of opportunity on this team going forward. But there's a lot of dudes who are coming in for their first year. Obviously, you've got McPherson there. You've got coming in as freshman, Wilhelm Bradenbach. You've got Bryce uh, McGowan's. Five yeah, star. Bryce McGowan's, uh, CJ Wilcher, Oleg Koyanets. Wilcher Ke- transferring from Xavier. Yeah. Um, Keon Edwards is another transfer there. But those guys are all going to be like freshmen. Yep. <laughs> and then Kisi Tominaga, who is just a Juco All American, coming in as a sophomore. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's there, there's a lot of guys who can score, there's a lot of guys who are used to scoring, who are used to handling the ball, and there's not going to be as many minutes for them as they're used to, but that can be okay. Number 1, if you do get them into the rotation at some point, if they do get to see the floor at at, at spots that matter, and number 2, if you're winning. Mm-hmm. Because look, Obviously, Nebraska basketball has struggled to get wins in the Big Ten the last couple of seasons. But if that turns around, I mean, guys are going to be a little bit more willing to say, well, I'm not getting mine, but hey, this is pretty fun, and I'm, I'm, I'm at least getting in every other game. I'm getting a shot to, to spell this guy who's in foul trouble at the end of the first half. Like, what have you. There, there's still going to be some opportunities for these guys, but there's other factors that are going to go in to determine whether or not it's going to be worth it for them to stick around longer. Another guy who's still going to be a freshman this year, eligibility-wise, Eduardo Andre. Mm. And then, I don't know if you heard this this week as well, and, and I'm forgetting where I was listening to it, but Wilhelm Bradenbach is apparently 6'11 now. He's apparently grown another couple inches. Oh, well, that's okay. Okay. <laughs> that feels like we were all talking about, can you get some size out there to battle underneath? Can you get some size? Just get some length. Um, even if guys are going to have to put on some weight to battle, because Ivan Drogo, who's out there like six foot eight, maybe six nine, yep. but he's just like a bulky Charles Barkley kind of guy. That's not really working in the Big Ten, especially when he's a seventeen-year-old. If you guys didn't know, so now they're, you're going to be able to roll out like a six ten and a six eleven, and Koyanets is seven foot. Like I realize all these guys aren't going to be out there at the same time, but that feels good to have a bigs rotation that can compete at that size. Yeah, speaking of guys who are really young, Ruquan Buckley, by the way, defensive tackle, early enrollee. He's not yet 18 years old, so he's the heir apparent to Ivan's. There we go. Uh, uh, <laughs> superlative there. So that's that's a little bit of the basketball. Um, NFL draft was last weekend, and mm-hmm. we knew what happened in the first two rounds, and so we thought we might heard might have heard a Husker called on Saturday uh, or two, and and two were Brendan Hymas in the fifth round of the Chargers. Sorry, you're not ever going to win that division. Um, and uh, Brendan Hymas, uh, so, so his his line mate right there on the line, Matt Farniok, he goes in the seventh round to Dallas, probably because he can play just about everywhere on the line. Yeah. Versatility will help him in the league. Undrafted guys. And that's a line that needed some help. Yeah, sure, sure. It definitely was. Undrafted guys, DiCaprio Boodle goes to Kansas City, where he will be winning the division uh, probably every year. Diedrich Mills to Detroit, and then Jack Stoll to the Eagles. So uh, congrats to them. They're getting their shot, and hopefully they can stick on the roster. Uh, what's up for baseball this weekend? What are we looking at? So baseball this weekend, you've got this afternoon taking on Indiana. They're in New Jersey the whole weekend. Yep. Pre-game 130, 
first pitch at 2 o'clock. Doubleheader tomorrow, Indiana, then Rutgers. That first game will start at 10 a.m. Second one, about 1.30, 2 o'clock. And then Monday, you're going to have a 9.30 pregame, 10 o'clock first pitch, taking on Rutgers there. Also, don't forget uh, softball at Iowa this whole weekend. And an extra half hour of LNK today on Monday morning leading into that baseball pregame. Just three and a half hours of beauty on a Monday morning. Yeah, you can't get any better than that. Uh, All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching on the Facebook. Get your shot. Go Big Red.